Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on the 9th of July, 2022. Well, we've survived the uh, the, the annual Independence Day uh, celebrations. Uh, I did not hear of anybody's cities burning down because of out-of-control fireworks. Uh, nobody's in, uh, fireworks displays went off all at once, as once did years ago. Uh, I think it was about 10 years ago, like L.A. or something like that where the whole thing went off at once. So it sounds like y'all are still here. So that's great. We're glad to be with you and glad to be able to continue to be part of your uh, listening library. You guys have been so gracious and so kind to continue to uh, to comment and, and, and communicate with us, to share the program, to listen it, and uh, to continue to be part of this. And even some really interesting conversations that came out of our, our last uh, episode, you know, Rich had an ongoing conversation with one of our, our listeners and, uh, we appreciate that. What's, you know, even when you don't agree with everything we say that you can come come on and feel free to be able to talk with us and, and ask questions and, and, you know, try to get, you know, your understand where we're coming from and stuff. That's fantastic. We love that because, uh, we want to be able to, you know, look, we're not going to get every single thing right. And even if we are right on something, we want to make sure that we're doing it in a biblical manner. So, whether you have a comment, a concern, a question, a, you know, a, a, you know, want to say thanks or you want to say get off the air, we don't care. We're happy to hear from you. And by the way, you can always get a hold of us, voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. want to remind you we are part of the Christian podcast community. Always going to encourage you to be, uh, to be listening to the various programs on there. Do want to welcome aboard one of the newest members that has come on, Justin Bullington. He was kind enough to have us on his podcast not long ago. Uh, it's called the uh, it's Theo Bros Podcast, the Theo Bros Podcast, and it is now part of the Christian Podcast community. Justin, welcome aboard. So glad to have you. Folks, really, you should check his program out. He does a lot of interviews and some really great interviews. Ours was okay. It was, it was, it was tolerable. Uh, but the rest of are really good and really should uh, really think you should ch uh, check that out make that part of your listening library rich there was another one that you were wanting to remind me uh oh our good friends over at Heart for hearts for the lost of course uh you guys really need to check them out rich what were you what was it you were wanting to say on that one i forgot well the hearts for the lost podcast that podcast is de dedicated pretty much primarily to evangelism but they also get into get into some forms of apologetics but their last episode is titled questioning jesus and they did some of the best work and some of the best resource that's that's a very great resource in in discussing the deity of christ with those that don't believe in christ when people question the bible as to whether christ was really god or not and then discussing the deity of christ they, uh, Brian and Jimmy did just a beyond outstanding job on that last episode. Uh, it posted on July 1st, but you can find them on Twitter at Hearts for Lost, the podcast. And I think the Hearts for Lost, Hearts for the Lost ministry has a page on Facebook and they have the, um, links to the radio episodes as well. But that would be one that I would really encourage everyone to be listening to because they also play audio and videos of witnessing encounters and they do a lot of great work and provide a lot of great information and teaching 
when it comes to not only how to share the biblical gospel, but how to interact with objections and questions and these type of things. Um, they drop an episode like once a month, sometimes twice a month. But um, I would definitely say go check out that episode and listen to it because, in my opinion, they, they did one of the best jobs ever when it comes to just a conversation about the deity of Christ. So I, I can't encourage our listeners enough to go check out that episode, brother. Amen. Amen. So, and by the way, we always re- want to remind you, please check out our website at slavetothekeng.com. We are starting to con- uh, be more involved in putting more and more information, or, or not, no, I shouldn't say information, but articles and, and other things on our site. And, uh, e- you know, even though G3 was kind enough to let me <laughs> publish, you know, not long ago, I, we're still going to keep putting a lot of stuff there. So I'm, I, I'm operating under no illusions that that will be a con- ongoing thing. <laughs> it would be wonderful if that happens, but uh, we're still going to keep putting stuff here because we want to keep being part of uh, you know, giving you guys as much as we can to be helpful to you. And in fact, uh, one of the reasons we're doing tonight's show is because we just did an article right up there on the website. And uh, we actually want you to go read it. So please don't think because you listened to the episode that that exempts you from reading. You got homework, okay? Go read the article. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we want people to read these articles um, because while the podcast can be very helpful, we we're, it kind of came to a realization that stuff that we, you know, like that myself or Rich sometimes would say online, the, the problem with things like Twitter and Facebook and stuff is that after a while it gets lost. And when somebody says, oh, that's really helpful, that, that you know, I wish I need to remember that, if you bookmark it, you know, the tweet or the Facebook thing, it can still get lost, where if you have a website that you can come back to, it's a resource, hopefully that will help you. And so that was, uh, that was hopefully what this particular program will do, is point you back to the article that's something you can reference and, and, and maybe share with others. So as it stands now, uh, that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Is we're going to talk about an article that I put up uh, just a couple days ago. It was actually, it's surprisingly, um, a fair amount of people have read it. You know, it's, you guys are very awesome that, you know, when we put stuff up that you guys share it in the way that you do. But we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about um, deconstructionism. We're going to talk about how somebody uh, um, within the Christian uh, contemporary Christian music industry has tried to claim that deconstructionism is really nothing more than acting acting like a modern day reformer and how that's not even remotely close and uh, we're going to talk about what deconstructionism is, we're going to talk about what the reformers, uh, what what was the basis of their reformation, what did they, what, what did they practice, why is that not the same as deconstructionism and uh, it's important because we can find ourselves caught up in these conversations. You might not even recognize the technical terminology. You might, you never, never, may have never heard of deconstruction, but you'll probably see people doing it. And uh, it's important to recognize what people are doing. And when they try to tell you, oh, we're just doing what the reformers did, it's not even remotely close. So uh, please remember to go, you know, bookmark the website and, and you know, sign up as a follower of the webpage because that is how you will know when new content comes out. And you can, of course, contact us through there and you can also support us through that site as well. So uh, before I forget, I, I, I ask you this every uh, week, Rich, how are you doing this week, brother? Better than I do. There's, there's Andrew. 
a blooper from something I've said for every episode. Better than I deserve, brother. My, I, I got completely tongue-tied. You would think after the number of times I've responded to that answer that that would not happen, but there's a blooper reel for Andrew Rappaport since he tries to track and keep up with every time that happens to me. But I am better than I deserve, brother. I'm just thankful to be here Amen. with you and our listeners again this week. And I'd like to thank everyone for the feedback that we've received about last week's show. Some of it was positive. Some of it was negative. But I'm like you, we, we will take it all. Um, and if there's something that we say that needs clarifying or you didn't understand, please feel welcome to contact us. Um, Chris gave the email address earlier but we would just like to thank our listeners for their feedback and their comments because it helps us to grow and understand and gives us an idea in what direction we need to go with the show and the topics that we discussed and that's something else please send us topic ideas we want to talk about what you want to hear not just what chris and i want to talk about granted um unless there's a listener idea submitted Generally, Chris and I take turns producing the show, meaning that this week he picked the topic and we're going to discuss it. Um, next week I'll pick something and we'll discuss it unless something major comes up. But that's just kind of how we co-host each other and, and fellow produce the show. We just basically take turns. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not necessarily rocket science when, when the way that we do this. Um, I know a lot of shows go about choosing their topics differently but ultimately we would rather be talking about the things that you want to hear us discuss so please send us show ideas and topic ideas we would love to hear from you in regards to those things but brother i read your article and it was really really good and i know i say that i think almost every time you write something but to be honest they are that good um but this week's topic is a little different and leading, <clears throat> excuse me, leading up to this show, I asked several people I know in real life what was or had they ever heard of the term deconstructionism. And all the ones that I asked had never heard of the term, didn't know the phrase, had no clue what it meant. So one hopefully purpose or use for tonight's episode that it will enable you as the listener to take this topic and discuss it with other people and help them become aware of not only the term, but what people are actually doing within the term itself. Um, where CRT was a man-made philosophical idea, so is deconstructionism. And I'm going to give you a brief history lesson here for just a moment. In the 1960s, a French philosopher named Jacques Derrida, he began to advocate for a postmodern philosophy of language and its relationship to our conceptions of meaning that he called deconstruction. It's an abstruse philosophy and notoriously difficult, some say impossible to summarize. In fact, Derrida himself refused to summarize deconstruction, claiming that his whole life's work was a summary of his philosophy. So, point one, this is based on a philosophical concept and a modern-day one at that, which gets into the postmodernism that we see that basically goes back and asks the question, what is truth? 
can truth be defined absolutely? And that is the foundation of deconstructionism. Um, this article that I'm quoting went on to say, a fundamental assumption undergirding Derrida's philosophy is that humans, through biological evolution, develop the capacity to impose psychological constructs of meaning upon their world as a survival mechanism. In other words, meaning as the ultimate meaning of things is a human psychological creation, not a discovery of divine revelation of absolute truth. Therefore, deconstruction asserts that human language at best communicates not absolute truth, but how a certain individual conceives of truth at a certain moment in time in the context of his cultural, political, religious, environmental, and experiential influences. Therefore, deconstruction asserts that philosophers or theologians consult written works of the past in vain to discover absolute truth or meaning, since all they're encountering are other, excuse me, or other authors' constructs of truth and meaning. And not only that, but the more distant a reader is culturally, culturally linguistically, and historically from an author, the less the reader will understand what the author actually had in mind when he used the terms like truth, justice, good, evil, etc. And therefore, the philosophy of deconstruction asserts that in an effort to understand as much as possible what an author actually meant by the language he used, sophisticated methods of textual criticism must be employed to deconstruct the author's words in order to decipher the conceptual constructs that shape that author's understanding of truth and meaning. And I know that everything I just read is a mouthful, so the link to this article will be in the show notes if you want to go back and, and read it for yourself. But in short, when it comes to deconstructionism, it means that there is no absolute truth inside the philosopher's text either just a reflection of how the author interpreted what the world means, which, according to Derrida, is what meaning is for all of us, a human psychological construct shaped by multiple influences. Now, how does all this apply when it comes to Christianity and theology? When it pertains to theology, it's the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. This is an application of deconstructionism, and this is what we see commonly practiced today when the term is applied, an approach that claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective, basically saying that truth is subjective. Both the, both the trend and its title reflect backlash against the unfortunate habit within some religious circles to downplay deep questions and ignore those who hold them, to openly investigate the nuances of belief, even changing one's convictions is a biblical concept. In practice, though, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover for demolition. Mm -hmm. Modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personal popular ideas. Rather than allowing room for sincere doubt and questions, some Christian communities reject anything more than superficial curiosity. 
that may extend to carelessly labeling those with doubts as unbelievers or troublemakers. This lends weight to those who falsely claim that valid answers are only found outside the church. Faith communities may obsess over teachings that are secondary or even superficial. They may cement cultural and political preferences into their view of Christianity. Those errors also feed the false narrative driving much of the modern deconstruction movement. Deconstruction almost always means adopting views palatable to the unbelieving world. All too conveniently, it means moving away from positions on sexuality, gender, salvation, sin, hell, and other issues not embraced by popular culture. The vast majority who claim to be deconstruction move with the flow of their surrounding culture, not against it. This movement demands safe space to ask difficult questions. Yet, ironically, modern deconstruction often settles for easy, comfortable answers, or it simply chooses which aspects of faith to, re to retain based on personal preferences. And, and to kind of summarize that, those who support or advocate deconstructionism or who practice it or who are doing it in ways without using the word deconstruction or deconstructionism, basically what they're trying to do is water down the word of God and make excuse for the sins that they love and try to pick apart and say, well, this is really not part of Scripture. Well, this is, this is, this is, this isn't. Ultimately, it comes back to what we've said before. Either all the Word of God is true or none of it is true. And in today's modern church culture, in this culture club Christianity, people want to pick and choose what they want to believe and adhere to and completely ignore Scripture verses that contradict the particular sin that they love. Do you think that's a pretty adequate explanation, brother? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and if our listeners really want like a deep dive on this, and we'll put this in the show notes too, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker on episode 117 of Just Thinking did a, it's a three-hour exposition, so grab paper and pen, because I went back and listened to it a second time, or at least most of it a second time before I wrote the article, because I wanted to make sure I, I was having a proper understanding and a working you know uh, definition of deconstruction and that they did a fantastic job and really that's what it boils down to it's it's an effort to appeal to some to recreate essentially whatever system that they don't like into something they do like so deconstruction breaks it down says oh here's here's the uh, problems as we identify them so they're the they're the, they're the authority, even though they deny absolute truth, and then they say we need to build it up so that it meets this standard. Again, they're the authority, and it typically uh, Virgil pointed it out in, in their episode. It's it's getting this multitude of of uh, intersectional vo oppressed voices so that this new system appeals to all of that. And it really, what it always comes back to is it's. You know, when you're dealing with this in a theological sense and you're dealing with a Christian sense, it's about trying to justify how can I maintain the label of Christianity and still be living with the sin that I that I so much love. And that I, I think that's what we try to talk about in this article. So I absolutely agree with much of that. Was there anything more before I, I start diving into this? I don't want to cut you off there. 
Well, no, you didn't cut me off. Um, I think the shortest, simplest explanation goes back to the book of Genesis when Satan asked Eve, mm-hmm. Eve, did God really say? And I think that's at the heart of deconstructionism yep. is exactly questioning it. the Bible and making believers stop and think and ask themselves, did God really say this? Did God really mean that this is a sin? Does this just mean this for over here, or does this actually apply to me? Because we both know that in today's day and age that, sadly, whatever's going on in the world, whether homosexuality, sexual immorality, adultery, pornography, all of that, it is taking place within the professing church today, and not only at the same rate as the rest of the world. In some cases, it's even more prevalent. Um, I, was, I was doing some research this week, and sadly, among professing Christian men that are married, 55% admit to watching porn at yeah. least once a month. 55%. Yeah. That's that's And that's tragic. That is utterly tragic, and it speaks to just not only how wicked the culture is, but we, we see this even within the church and, and how, in my opinion, one of the problems that, one of the reasons we have people who embrace embrace things like deconstruction within the Christian faith is because we've been pragmatic for so long and we haven't addressed openly these sins and we haven't held you know church discipline and all these things. You have people who claim to be Christians who are doing exactly these kinds of sins that you're, ta- you're talking about and then you're going to have someone like uh, this individual that kind of is the reason I wrote the article. Um, this this watering down of the word has led to people who try to say, "Well, I'm a de- I de- I'm seeking to de- deconstruct the Christian faith, and all that means is I'm just doing what the reformers did, and which is an utter lie." So let's let's talk about the the article itself. The article comes from an online conversation that um, it started with a good friend of ours, Adam Page, who is a pastor uh, uh, for Amelia Baptist Church and uh, has his own podcast. And Oh, Adam, you're going to make me look this up. I had this and then I forgot to, to write it down. <laughs> but Adam actually does have his own podcast and it's, you know, I've been listening to it a little bit. It's actually pretty good. Uh, called We Bear Witness, and I think it used to uh, go by another name, but uh, you know that they, they just recently changed up the the name and format a little bit. But good brother in Christ, uh, you know, loves the Lord, uh, you know, preaches uh, expositorily in his church. So grateful for what he's done, and he had posted the other day, and I thought this was a really interesting. And I thought it was a fantastic post on Twitter. He said, "I wish I could find my church deacons from the '90s and tell them that." Daniel Hasseltine of Jars of Clay, Derek Webb of Cademan's Call, and Kevin Max of DC Talk no longer hold to Sola Scriptura and or have deconstructed. But John Cooper from Devil Band, he puts that in quotes, Skillet is persevering strong in doctrine, which I thought was a a great post because he actually points out, 
here are these contemporary Christian music artists, the people you know the, in the 90s that we listened to, Jars of Clay, DC Talk, Cademan's Call. Everybody had their CDs at some point. If you, you know, if you were a Christian in the 90s, you you knew who these individuals were, and these were the people that you know. As as he points out, his deacons would have looked at someone like John Cooper and, and said, "That's devil's music," because it was kind of a hard rock music. And yet here, you know, 20, 30 years later, these guys that were such a part of the contemporary Christian music scene back in the 90s are all falling from the faith. And that was, I think it was a, it was a fantastic point. And I think that goes back to what we were just saying a minute ago, Rich. That shows, you, you know, when I came to faith in 2000, so just coming out of the 90s, that's, that's when I came to faith. By God's grace, so I was familiar with these names because they they were the music that I went to my church's bookstore. Those CDs were there. If I went to the local Christian bookstore, that's where the CDs were there. So I'm familiar with these guys, and yet here we are, all these years later, and how many of them can still say they're strong in the faith? So many have fallen. So many have fallen publicly, um, and some have outright rejected the faith. And so he points this out, and I think it's, it, you know, it, it just demonstrates the absolute need for us to be people of the book. You know, we have a book, as, as Tom Askell likes to say. We need to be grounded in Sola Scriptura. And yet, so many of these guys that we all listen to their music, they've, they reject that now. The interesting part was, I don't know how Derek Webb found Adam Page's post because Adam did not ta tag uh, Derek, so I don't know if somebody sent it to him, or Derek was bored one day and looked up his own name on Twitter and stumbled across it. But he ends up responding. Well, I let me rephrase that. He doesn't respond. He quote tweets him, which is usually what you do when you don't real. And, and I've, I'm guilty of this. You don't want to engage the person directly. You want to say, "Oh, look how terrible this is. Let me respond to it so everybody can see." I, I claim it. I'm guilty of that too. Okay, but he he doesn't engage Adam. He doesn't he doesn't speak to him directly. He just shares it, and then he says, "Deconstructing deconstructing is part of reforming." I'd like to think your church deacons would be comforted knowing that we're following the Reformation's cry of se semper re excuse me semper reformanda, always reforming, calling out teachings and practices that the church should repent of and leave behind. So this is where. The, the nature of the article and what we want to talk about tonight really steps into play. Derek Webb, uh, you know, right, brother. Yeah, go ahead. And I think I just jumped over you, but, and I think you were actually fixing to do this, but explain to our listeners who Derek Webb is, because yeah. honestly, I had never heard of him until your article and this came out because I have not kept up with current music trends in any genre. Uh, I'm doing it again. My, my brain is going one way and my tongue is going the other. You're going to make Andrew I've not happy. Kept up with, <laughs> yes. I've not kept up with, with music, whether it be Christian music, secular music. Um, for the last several years, I've primarily listened to classical music because it helps me to think and helps me to relax. So this name was completely <laughs> foreign to me, even though that he goes back to the 90s. So if you would, just for listeners who are ignorant of this man, such as myself, explain to us a little briefly who he is and why he has a blue dot beside his name on Twitter. It, it, absolutely. And uh, this, I'm, I'm just going to pull this brief explanation um, from Wikipedia, you know, the greatest 
you know, trustworthy source on all the internet, right? Okay, they have some basic, <laughs> basic stuff that's helpful. Uh, Derek Walsh Webb is an American singer-songwriter. Apparently, he's the same age I am. He was born just a few months after me. Uh, was an American singer-songwriter who first entered the music industry as a member of the band Cademan's Call and later embarked on a successful solo career. As a member of the Houston, Texas-based Cademan's Call, Webb has seen career sales approaching 1 million records along with 10 GMA Dove Award nominations, three Dove Award wins, and a number one, uh, six number one Christian radio hits. In 2003, Webb left Cademan's Call to pursue a solo career. Since his departure, he has released seven studio albums, including one instrumental, a live album, two compilation albums, two cover projects, two DVDs, and two EPs with his then-wife Sandra McCracken. While these have been less commercially successful than his work with Caveman's Call, Webb has more of a free hand to shape his work to his vision. That's important. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I Was Wrong, I'm Sorry and I Love You was released on September 3rd, 2013. On April 17th, 2014, Webb and his then-wife singer-songwriter Sandra McCracken announced they were divorcing after 13 years of marriage due to Webb's extramarital affair. And uh, according to this, he's now married to an Abby Parker, who is uh, a part of uh, another group called I Am They, which I, I thought the name sounded familiar, but I didn't realize they're out of the same er uh, area of the country I'm in. They're, they're from Carson City, Nevada, which is about an hour and a half away from me. I didn't realize that. Uh, I don't think I don't think Webb is anywhere near me. I hope not, because uh, I don't think he'll like what we have to say tonight. Not that we want to attack Webb. I, I actually pray that what comes out of this is that, you know, he's challenged and he turns from where he's headed. Um, anyway, so uh, go ahead, brother. Hey, brother. Yeah, yeah. Completely, completely somewhat unrelated. But what is it about Texas here lately? Every time I turn around, there's some form of bad doctrine or false teaching and it seems more times than not the word texas keeps popping up I wish what I are do. our brothers in texas <laughs> doing down there tom buck gabe hughes you got some work to do down there get to it uh <laughs> you got to correct some bad stuff going on so <clears throat> Derek webb is Bar was, Bar barbers from texas <clears throat> oh. excuse me i had to clear my throat oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, they definitely got some work to do then okay so Derek Webb, the reason he's a blue check on Twitter then, is obviously he is a very well-known uh, music artist. He's been around since the 90s. He's produced a lot of music, uh, some of which has won awards within the Christian community. Well, Derek Webb obviously is has some very different views of the Christian faith, as evidenced by the fact that he said, well, that deconstruction is really nothing more than being doing what the reformers did, simple reformanda. Well, if you looked at Derek Webb's page, the very first tweet, at least as of today, which is uh, the 9th of July, it was posted 22 hours ago. He says, Hey friends, let me be clear. I will not provide a space for hateful or derogatory speech, especially towards, terrible grammar, toward LGBTQ folks. If someone in the comment uh, threads on my post makes you feel in any way safe or unwelcome please dm me so that i so that i can block them this is a hill i'll die on and then uh 
on July 7th, he posted something that says, a post-Pride Month reflection for anyone who is in non-affirming who is non-affirming of LGBTQ folks and communities. Please ask yourself, how are you personally injured by someone simply being who they are? How are you harmed in the use of a person's preferred pronouns? What violence is done as a result of love between people who you perceive as different? I invite you to consider your answers carefully against the weight and safety or against the weight of safety and dignity of people who are fundamentally the same as you. Now you, we are getting a picture of who Derek Webb is. Derek Webb is a huge LGBTQ affirming music artist. This is someone who, who is desperate to let you uh, make you believe that if, if someone is living in a lifestyle that the scriptures have referred to as an abomination, that that individual, well... They're just the same as you, and you need to be affirming of them. Now, there's lots that can be said about these two particular posts. Uh, the issue about being personally injured isn't the issue. The issue, of course, is that it's a rebellion against God, and it is our duty as Christians to call out sin, call people to repentance, and call them to the one who saved us uh, because of we were just as wicked as they were, uh, as they are currently. One at one time, we were as well. And so, the one place of salvation is Jesus Christ. Derek Webb does absolutely. No, uh, no help whatsoever to the LGBTQ community by assuring them they're just the same as the rest of us because they are still living in rebellion and Derek Webb is encouraging them to do so. So when Derek Webb says, well, deconstruction is just reformation, um, we got a huge problem because what they're doing, uh, what the reformers did versus what Derek Webb and others is do are doing is our worlds apart, absolutely worlds apart. Now, just one other thing, um, when Derek Webb made his comment about deconstruction, deconstructing is part of reforming, somebody took him to task for that and says that deconstruction rips faith away from Scripture and makes humans the arbiter of truth. And Michael, the lonely pastor, Battenfield, that was a good comment. I absolutely agree with you. Um, he pulls from Merriam-Webster. And this definition fits perfectly with what we're talking about. It says, did you know deconstruction doesn't actually mean demolition. It means breaking down or analyzing something, especially words in a work of fiction or nonfiction, to discover its true significance, which is supposedly almost never exactly what the author intended. Stop right there. Deconstruction is concerned about, is it utterly does not care about authorial intent. It's, it's, it's does not care because it doesn't believe that's what matters. Continuing, a feminist may deconstruct an old novel to show how even an innocent-seeming story somehow depends on the oppression of women. Stop again. You're demonstrating... You know, this is what Derek Webb is using to define deconstruction. Okay, Derek thinks this is good stuff. And what he's saying is, whatever the person wrote back in the old days about this particular, maybe it's a love story. Oh, no, no. That What you're writing in that story doesn't matter. It's about oppression of women. That's what deconstruction does. A new Western may deconstruct myths of the Old West and show lawmen as vicious and, and, criminal, uh, and criminals as flawed but decent. Table manners, the sound of music, and cosmetic ads have all been the subjects of deconstructionist analy analysis. 
Of course, not everyone agrees with deconstructionist interpretations, and some people reject the whole idea of deconstruction. But most of us have run into it by now, even if we didn't realize it. That's why I wrote the article. That's why we're doing the show. You may not know these terms. You may not see what they're, uh, you know, what they're actually saying, or have not heard it in the way that's being said. Or this is being defined, but you've heard it. You know, go back to critical race theory, systemic racism. It doesn't matter what you say. It what matters is its impact. You say that because of white, uh, your your white privilege. You understand where this is coming from. The in authorial intent doesn't matter. What the, the the intended message is doesn't matter. What is the impact? What is uh, what is you know the what's behind it? Why is it bad? How is it how is it uh, furthered injustice? That's what deconstruction is concerned with. And again, really, really encourage you to go listen to um, the the three-hour program on Just Thinking. By the way, new one coming out this Wednesday, so you all need to, to listen to it on denomina uh, cultural denominationalism. I'm really, really looking forward to that one. So, uh, Rich, before we start breaking into these these uh, things that we covered in the article, what other thoughts do you have with what we see with Derek going on here? Well, one extension, well, deconstructionism is an outward flow from the emergent church movement mm -hmm. because it puts its focus on emotion, feeling, and experience. And just like this, in, in his case, as it pertains to affirming or quote-unquote loving homosexuals, in order to love them, we must affirm what they believe in we must agree with them. It doesn't matter what Scripture says. What's more important is how they feel about themselves. It takes the authoritative role from Scripture and from God himself and makes each individual person their own God because they're wanting their feelings, their emotions, and their experiences to be the absolute mm -hmm. truth for their lives. And they expect everyone else to affirm whatever it is that they have claimed or whatever it is they're feeling or experiencing or their emotions. It's not a matter of biblical truth or absolute truth anymore. It Now it's truth is determined by how we feel. How does this verse make you feel instead of asking what was God saying in this verse? What was God commanding in this verse? It has now got twisted around instead of even asking what do you think this verse means? Now the norm is to ask, how does this verse make you feel? Mm -hmm. And that's part of deconstructionism is to break down the Word of God, strip the Bible of its authority, strip God of his authority, and put the authority into the person that's doing the reading and throwing out what God actually declares, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, absolutely. And that's really what we see going on here. So in the article, what we did is I tried to break it down into three areas because, again, Mr. Webb's uh, statement here is that deconstruction, what we, we're trying to give you this kind of basic idea of what it is, is part of what the reformers did. Semper Reformanda, as he puts it, calling out teachings and practices that church should repent of and leave behind. So we want to <clears throat> break it up into three parts here to just give you a little bit of a, an understanding of what's going on. Now, first, 
the issue of deconstruction. Again, it's taking something apart, so language, text, a particular system or practice. It's it's breaking this down, and uh, to in, instead of looking at it as a whole and and to try to determine if something is true, it's not concerned about truth because in the eyes of the deconstructionist, there is no objective truth. So that you you're not examining it, you're not taking it apart to determine is this true. What you're do, doing is you're, you're looking into it because you're looking for cracks in the system, problems, inconsistencies that lead to what you say is injustice. Remember what Derek said, that, it's, that these are, this is about calling out practices and teachings the church should repent of and leave behind. Why is he saying that? Go back to his Twitter page. LGBT people are just like you. They're different. They deserve uh, protection and, and safety and dignity. You need to stop telling them they're wrong. All right, so he is looking at it from the perspective that Christianity as it is today, there's a problem. So he's it, deconstructionist looks to break it down and say, okay, here's the cracks, here's the problems, and in our eyes, this is a, a broken and oppressive or destructive system. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to uh, you know, look for truth so we can rightly build on the foundation of truth? No. We're going to rebuild it into our own image. Because, again, look at what uh, you know, Derek Webb is doing on his own public pages. He, a page, he is saying this is something that needs to change. The teachings of the Christian church regarding homosexuality and etc. are wrong and need to change. So he wants to rebuild Christianity into something that includes them. So you're, you're, as a deconstructionist, you're looking at something in a negative sense. You're not looking for truth. You don't believe truth exists. You're looking at it as a system that's busted or broken and you're and you you are reading into that and now you're starting to take it apart and look for all those things where you think oppression exists or where well good is not really good and bad isn't really as bad as it seems and now we're going to start trying to pull it apart and make it into something it was never uh, you know intended to be. Um so they're not discern, uh, concerned with determining whether the system or practice is true as it stands. The, what they're concerned with is the process of questioning, that constant questioning. Going back to what you said, Rich, the, the very first deconstruction is Satan himself. Has God really said? That is deconstruction in the very first pages of Scripture. Has God really said? That's what they're doing. They're questioning. They're not looking for answers. They're not trying to understand. They're questioning to break things down. <clears throat> In the end, it's ultimately about tearing this system apart so you can build something else in its place. Now, the the other thing that the deconstructionist does is once he's introduced those sufficient levels of doubt and has torn apart the system. So if you're, if you're um, talking about systemic racism type stuff. You're looking at the system of America and its governing governing documents and stuff today and you're saying this is all cause of systemic racism. This this was written by white racist uh, slave owners. So therefore these things can't make, be uh, can't be applied because it didn't take this into account. It didn't do that. And instead of determining what about our governing documents is true and what you know where have we failed versus where is it worked right no we've got to tear the whole thing down so that we can do what reconstruct we can 
build something new. And so instead of looking at, at the system and going, what what is true? What can we build upon? What can we uh, reconstruct this correctly by so that it, it does things rightly? Rather, it goes, no, no, we need to uh, go and look for all of these people who have been oppressed. And you're hearing that now, if you're in America and you're listening to this, you know that there are a lot of people that are saying the Constitution is no good because it didn't take into consideration black slaves of the day. Therefore, they didn't ask us about it. We didn't get to have a voice. Therefore, the you know the, what? The Constitution is bad. Constitution must be gotten rid of. We must come up with something new. And what do they want? They want all these intersectionally, uh, disproportionately impacted, oppressed groups to have the voice in building a new system. So rather than looking for truth, they are looking for how can we include everybody that has been oppressed by what we've now just torn apart. And so what you're looking for is this ability to create a new system that meets with the uh, approval of the groups that have been have had a claim of hurt, oppression, inequality, or some other kind of grievance. And what you're then doing is trying to create this pluralistic system, and it's all these grieved persons get their demands met at the expense of, of those they say are the ones at fault, and also at the expense of truth. Because it's not there is no truth, it's only about the impact, and so you're just destroying everything You've come in with with a preconception, number one, that there's no truth. Number two, that you, as the authority, can say this is wrong because this uh, impact has occurred. You find all the things that then tell you in your mind that that's, this is why it's no good, and then you build it up in your own image. So that's more or less what um, deconstructionism is doing. Now, again, I'm going to say it again. Go listen to uh, Daryl and Virgil. They In the time that we have versus what they did in three hours, you're going to get a seminary-level education. Go listen to this uh, that program. But in their episode on evangelical de deconstruction, which is our second point, and Rich, before I go any further, any thoughts? No, brother, just okay. keep going. Fantastic. Like you're going. You're doing a, you're doing a great <laughs> job. Um, Anytime that there's something that popped into my head, you covered it. So, okay, just carry on. Fantastic. I just I, I get to talking, folks, and if Rich doesn't stop me once in a while, I'll just keep going. So, which if you've met me in person, that's not normal. Uh, in, in person, <laughs> I, I I clam up because I am way introverted. So, you put me behind behind a microphone, I don't shut up. So, anyway, <laughs> keeping going. So with regard to how it's practiced within the evangelical realm, uh, Daryl Harrison pointed out what he called five points of progress of evangelical deconstructionism. So this is how we see evangelical deconstructionism happening, how it moves down the line until you end up with something new. So his, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I suddenly had stuff in my throat there. Uh, so he has five points, embrace, assume, identify, apply, and reconstruct. So the first point is embrace. Embrace and posit the idea that the church is a socially constructed system, not a divinely ordained idea that originated in the mind of God. So mind you, what we're saying here is, remember, there's no, there's no truth in the deconstructionist mind. 
So if there's no truth, then the church as it exists, it's something that we created socially. It's a social construct. It's not a command from God in his word. Okay, so understand, your first point is, if you're, if you're a Derek Webb, you first start with, I have to believe that the church isn't really something that came from God. It's just a social construct. The next point is to assume the socially constructed system is designed to be exclusive of certain intersectional identities, traditions, and behaviors, such as LGBTQ community, etc. So going back to Derek Webb, Christians, your church is bad. You've excluded this group. So you assume that this particular social construct is, was designed to keep them out. Then you identify subjective points and cracks in the socially constructed system that have failed in the estimation of the deconstructionist and need to be fixed or reconstructed. So in other words, you, you've embraced the idea that church is socially constructed. You've assumed it, it, is, it excludes certain types of people. You now go in and examine and you look for that in that system where it's failed in your mind. And so once you've identified those points, then you say, oh, well, this is what needs to be fixed and reconstructed within the church. <clears throat> you then apply a hermeneutic of suspicion to that. In other words, you, you, you're, the way you examine hermeneutics, the way we, we study the scriptures, for example, it, that, that process of hermeneutics, you apply a hermeneutic of suspicion. In other words, you're suspicious you're, you're looking every, at everything with a very suspicious view of things. You apply that hermeneutic of suspicion to that socially constructed system, the church, so that anyone who is even remotely associated or connected to that system is by default deemed untrustworthy. So you are, you've embraced it. The church is not a, a, a design of God. You assume that it's designed to be excluding of other people. You identify, here's all the points inside the Christian church that have failed to meet the meet the needs of say lgbtq and this needs to be reconstructed and you examine it with a hermeneutic of suspicion so anybody that holds to the christian beliefs that person is untrustworthy okay so this is four of four of the five points number five reconstruct that socially constructed system into the image and likeness of the culture with a culturally acceptable theology, soteriology, anthropology, homardiology, and eschatology. In other words, you reconstruct the church and redefine every doctrine, every theological belief system to meet with what? The image and likeness of the culture, which is what we see Derek Webb doing. So in, the, in these points what we're seeing is that those who are applying deconstruction to the church are starting with an outside man-made ideology. It's assuming that the Christian church is, is something that was a social construct and it is a construct that is guilty of oppression and inequality and exclusion. Okay? This is not sounding very Reformation-like, right? We'll go into that in a second. <laughs> so um, deconstructionists are beginning with the idea that Christianity is not ordained by God as it exists today. It's damaged everything. It's hurt people. And it has to be deconstructed and reconstructed so that the inequalities can be done away with. So if you're starting with that outside ideology, 
you're not starting with what? You're not starting with the Word of God. Okay? Remember, Scripture is all that we need for life and godliness. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Remember, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God can be complete, ready for every good work. I may have slightly butchered that. I'm sorry. So, the Word of God is absent in the practice of the deconstructionist. This is not about trying to examine who God is and what He desires for His people or how you even become His people. This is about determining what Derek Webb and others think Christianity should be and how it's failing to meet their expectations. All right, I want to add something. Go back to what we said at the start of this show. When the term deconstruction was coined by the French philosopher, all of this centers on man-made philosophy that absolutely states, which is off, is rather funny because by stating there's no absolute truth, they're making an absolute statement with no grounds mm-hmm. of absolution. I, I know that's kind of confusing, but in essence, some of what you said is right in their part when today's church is not the biblical church. I agree, because you look around American evangelicalism today, you see the world, and and God's word calls Christians to be separate from the world, mm-hmm. to be set apart, and if they think the professing church is exclusive, wait before, wait until they kneel before God on Judgment Day, they'll find out just how exclusive the Word of God actually mm-hmm. is. They do not want to submit to the authority of God. They want to submit to their own authority, which is their own thoughts, minds, and hearts, which is their own sin that they love, that they will not give up. And it just falls back into Romans 1 that though they knew that God's decree, they not only do them, but give approval to those mm-hmm. who practice them. That's exactly what this is. I've never come across anything that the Word of God has not already addressed. We have heresy upon heresy upon heresy, and this is the same old heresy that we've seen throughout history. It's just repackaged. It still goes back to doubting the sufficiency and infallibility of the Word of God because they do not want to submit to Christ as Lord. They want a Christ to save them from hell, but they don't want a Christ who is going to command obedience in their life Mm -hmm. and give up all that they love. And to me, that's what it boils down to. Absolutely. And in fact, so many, we're we're seeing more and more, uh, Daryl actually lamented the other day about how so many Christians are not concerned about, you know, the eternal, but it's the here and now. People like Derek Webb and others aren't even concerned about the fire insurance. They see the church as a social as a mechanism for social good as they defined it. So the problem that you have, especially with the deconstructionist mindset, is that 
they've taken it beyond, hey, I just want fire insurance and be able to live as I choose, which is what we see so much of American evangelicalism, which I would then argue the pragmatism, and we argued about this, uh, you know, or not argued, but made this argument when we were talking about the issue of the, uh, you know, should people start departing the SBC? One of the big problems within the SBC was pragmatism. The, the idea that you use whatever we can do to get butts in the seats and hands raised in the air, that's okay. And the problem is, of course, if you just appeal to the flesh and that's how you, you move them emotionally or you tantalize them with some sort of goodies... You can get professions, but they're not legitimate. And if you and if you use that to get make people make professions of faith, will you dare not preach theology and doctrine, and certainly don't ever preach about sin and hell, because you'll lose them. Why? Because they're not regenerate to begin with. So you've got this pragmatism that has birthed an entire movement that we call American evangelicalism that produced. Christian or contemporary Christian music as we saw in the 90s which now in the 2020s we are watching these people fall like dominoes and what are they now pro uh, professing well in this case deconstructionism where they're saying it's about social good it's about restructuring the church not to be concerned about that eternal city that we look to go back to he uh, Hebrews that, that eternal city that we know is yet to come, but rather it's the here and now. And so that's what the church needs to fit. And so it's, it, it's what you're talking about. We've seen that over and over again throughout church history in America. And now this is the product. This is the product. Not even being concerned about the eternal. Like token acknowledgement of it. But no, it's the here and now. And it's not even just the here and now, but the here and now as they define it. The social goods as they define them. Because if you say, you know, Derek Webb, if you if you go on his page and say LGBTQ is a sin, he's going to block you because you're practicing what? Hate speech. You're causing harm by telling someone they've sinned. That's what this product is. He is not only even just con not concerned about eternal, he is not just concerned about here and now, he's concerned about appealing to people neck deep in sin and let and show that, well, I care more about you than the Christian church does, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the church. And I have two questions for you. Yeah. First, in, in Derek Webb's case, what is mo what is his motivation for wanting to appeal to the world and to culture and to the LGBT community? My second question is, what is the difference between deconstructionism and what the Reformation was truly about? Well, that last question we're going to answer here in just a second. But the first one, I think, is it's the same thing that every deconstructionist is. Whatever you're trying to create some new social order, uh, something that appeals to what you think all of this should be. It's, it's a refusal to worship God as God, to rip him off his throne, and to put yourself there. And I think that's really what we're watching happen. Now, I guarantee you Derek Webb would deny that. But it is creating an idol, a God that does not acknowledge sin, a God that says you're fine the way you are, 
a God that says, I'm going to be harsh with the people who believe my word as it was written, and I'm going to be kind to the people who reject it outright. That's what Derek Webb is looking for, I believe. And I believe that's what everybody who practices any form of deconstruction is doing. It's, it's creating a new social order based on what you think it should be. And you're just adopting the language of Satan from the you know from Genesis, has God really said? I, that's what I believe that is. Well, I think it actually is more based than that. And, and we've noticed it in the quote-unquote Christian music circles, the number of ones that seem to be, you know, solid in their music fall. And mm-hmm. there's been countless ones over the last 20 years. We've discussed several of them on this show. But I think it comes ultimately down to P-I-M, power, influence, and money. Yeah. When it comes to people whose income is dependent upon record sales or book sales or donations, more times than not, I think it comes down to one of those three or all three of those concepts. It ultimately comes back to power, influence, and money. And that's exactly why the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the days of Christ, knew he was Christ but would not acknowledge him as Christ because they were too afraid of losing their power and influence with the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and their power and influence and status within the Sanhedrin, they would they, they feared man more than they feared God. And in today's modern evangelical case, I think they fear losing power, money, and influence more than they fear God. And I, I, to me, more times than not, when you dig deep in a lot of these subjects, it comes back down to one of those three things, or all three of them, in some of these cases. Because if they stand boldly on the Word of God and say, Okay, embracing homosexuality, embracing sexual immorality, having sex outside of marriage, if they stand boldly and say that is a sin that is condemned by God, their record sales, their book sales will take a nosedive quick. Absolutely, and I I don't doubt that at all. I I agree with every, every point of that, absolutely. All right, so to answer your second question, why is it not... Uh, in line with the reformers. It comes down to one basic principle. Sola Scriptura. Now, when we talk about the Reformation, um, when you read anything on it, you'll see that the the term sola fide, faith alone, is, is what they called the material cause, which was kind of the source of the Reformation, that we are saved by faith alone. But sola scriptura, which is you know uh, the, uh, the um, God's word alone, is the formal cause or the essence of it. So when when the reformers were battling with the Catholic Church about how we are saved. What did they appeal to? The Word of God. This is where you're going to find the the biggest difference. And this is why I say worlds apart, universes apart. When you're talking about deconstruction and you're talking about the Reformation. Um, Michael Kruger on Ligonier's website has an article called Understanding Sola Scriptura. 
And he notes that it was the conviction of sola scriptura, the scriptures alone are the word of God, and therefore the only infallible rule for life and doctrine. That provided, that's what provided the fuel needed to ignite the Reformation. Okay, It was God's word alone, which is what guides us. It is our only infallible rule for life and doctrine. The deconstructionist does not go by sola scriptura. The deconstructionist starts with a Marxist philosopher's ideology. The reformers went, this right here, Genesis to Revelation, this right here is our source. That is your difference. This is why Derek Webb can never, ever be a reformer. Derek Webb rejects the word of God. Derek Webb believes there's no absolute truth. Why? Because he calls himself a deconstructionist. And deconstructionists do not believe in absolute truth. When the reformers stood against the Catholic Church, Kruger says <clears throat> that the Catholic Church uh, acknowledged that Scripture was, quote, the ultimate standard for life and doctrine, but, or not life and doctrine, end quote, but they also believed that God communicated outside of the written text. And he further goes on to say the church, quote, claimed a trifold authority, or authority structure, which included scripture, tradition, and the magisterium. The key component of this trifold authority was the magisterium itself, which is the authoritative teaching office of the Roman Catholic Church manifested primarily in the Pope. So the Catholic Church, oh yes, the Bible is the word of God, but... We have tradition and we have the Pope. This is what they fought against. This is what they stood their ground resolutely on. The Reformers taught that Sola Scriptura demanded that God, uh, that man had to be held to the ultimate authority of God's Word. Y you didn't come in and teach ideologies and, and commands and principles that you said were part of the Christian faith if you did not pass muster with the Scriptures. Now, there's I've seen this debate going online lately. Um, some of it's a little over my head. I, I know that Dr. White could probably give a much more thorough examination of this. <clears throat> but there seems to be some discussion about the nature of Sola Scriptura. And those who say, remember, we hold the Sola Scriptura, so creeds and confessions and such, as, as useful as they are, that's not what determines... The Christian faith is the scriptures, and you got some people going, oh, so you're really solo scriptura, meaning only the Bible, which that's not what sola scriptura was, and that's not what Dr. White and others are saying. Um, again, I would defer to him, go listen to some of the Dividing Line episodes, you'll get a better understanding of that argument. Now, the, th the thing is, is that creeds, confessions, books, examines of our historical uh, development, teachings of, of various gifted pastors and men, they help guide our understanding of the Word of God. No question. They, they, provide, they can even provide guardrails to keep us from wandering off into the weeds and getting way out there. But none of those can ever be equal to or exceed the authority of Scripture. Okay? Everything becomes subservient. So if you've got a creed or a confession, as good as, they, as it may be, if you spend... 
years under you know studying the word of god and you understand its context and its original languages and you understand the you know what the original audience was supposed to say and then you look at this you look at the creeds and confessions and go something isn't lining up which one has to give it's the creed and confessions okay and I, and i mean this and i'm being very serious about this okay the creeds and confessions are not divinely inspired documents they may be one of the uh, you know most wonderful things that we have and they can be so very helpful but they are not scripture if we treat them on the same level then we make the mistake that the roman catholic church had that their traditions and their magisterium were equal to scripture so that's that's the thing okay sola scriptura ultimate authority is the word of god so where sola fide was that material cause sola scriptura is the formal and and why do why can we say that because how is it that we would know that we are saved by faith alone it was through the word of god alone okay so the reformers were fighting against bad doctrine because they went to the scriptures See, Derek Webb says, oh no, you should be proud of us. We're trying to, we're trying to get rid of those man-made doctrines that the church should repent of. They, these are terrible things, right? Except that Derek Webb is not going to the Word of God. Derek Webb is going to man-made ideologies that he has elevated to as equal to or superior to the Scriptures. He's making the exact same mistake that the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation was making. That's the problem. So the reason that Derek Webb and others cannot call themselves reformers is they reject sola scriptura. How is it the reformers could could look to something and say this is a doctrine the church should repent of? Because they examine the scriptures. They examine them in context. They understood there were what the writers were meant authorial intent. They understood was it what the ex readers were expected to believe. Okay, grammatical historical interpretation of the scriptures. They they had to learn what was being writ written, what the audience was expected to understand, and how they were supposed to apply it in their own lives as the audience to whom it was being written. And that and they knew the reformers understood that the only way you could refute the false teachings of the papacy, it wasn't just saying, well, I don't like what they're saying. I need to find a way to get get around that. Martin Luther wasn't looking to go, gee, I, I really don't like this works thing. Maybe I can find something that will help me say it's all by faith. Martin Luther hated God because he knew he was a sinner and he knew God was right to just and, and just to send him to hell and it made him fear God and he hated that. But yet he still tried to do everything he could to be this good Catholic monk and he couldn't do it. And it wasn't until because he as a monk, as someone who had studied as a lawyer, who had studied languages, who understood how to read and study the, uh, you know, uh, you know, texts, as now he has this opportunity that people of his time, most didn't have the, the scriptures in their language. He got the opportunity to do that. And what does he read? He reads that you are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. And he was transformed. So he wasn't going and looking for a way to argue with the Catholic Church. In fact, when he wrote the 95 Theses, it wasn't so that he could you know, cause the church to be this new creation. He was simply saying, hey, Catholic Church, we got some problems. We need to, we need to line up with the word here. 
you know, and that he was starting to, he wanted a public debate so that he could get the Catholic Church to come in alignment with Scripture. He wasn't trying to start something new. He just wanted the Catholic Church to come in alignment with Scripture, and the Catholic Church refused. And that was the birth of the Protestant Reformation. Many others laid the foundation before him, but that's what was the spark of the Protestant Reformation. So genuine Reformation, genuine Reformanda, is based upon the Word of God. Derek Webb and others reject that. No matter how much Webb and others want to see themselves as modern-day reformers, and honestly, I don't even think Webb would probably equate himself with that, but he likes to be able to say, we're just doing what they did. So maybe he would reject that label, but he's the one putting it out there saying, we're just like the reformers. We're doing what they did. We're, we're calling out bad teaching and telling you guys to repent. But Derek Webb isn't drawing it from Scripture. Derek Webb looks at the church already and goes, nope, it's bad. As, and makes himself the authority. That's what deconstructionists do. They make themselves the authority. They're not examining the Word of God. They're not looking to say, how can I draw myself closer to Christ in faith and practice? I'm just looking to look at, wow, I don't like that the, the, this... The, as You see it on Derek Webb's page. I don't like how LGBT people are told they're sinning. So <clears throat> that's bad. I'm going to deconstruct the Christian faith and I'm going to reconstruct it so they're included. That is not Reformation. I will add this. He's not alone. Throughout American evangelicalism, there's a growing number of churches and denominations that are openly embracing mm -hmm. this concept that someone can be a practicing homosexual yep. and still be a Christian. They're embracing same-sex marriages. They're embracing anything except the Word of God. God's decrees are absolute. He says marriage is for one man and one, mo one, one, man and one woman, and that sex is to be for the confines of the marriage bed. It's plain and simple. It's clear cut. There's no way to wiggle a loophole in that other than completely throwing out the portions of Scripture that go against the current culture, that go against this culture club Christianity that you do see going on. And sadly, when Paul talks about every wind of doctrine and different ways of doctrine, that's what we see going on today. Mm -hmm. People are ready to just go along with whatever whim that happens to be said. You know, if this is what culture accepts, well, the church must go along with it too because we got to be loving mm -hmm. and accepting and, and do all of this. They have abandoned any concept of holiness and progressive sanctification and have abandoned it and turned to cultural acceptance and cultural progression. There's no holiness involved in, in what people like Derek Webb are putting out, it's a, it goes back to what we said earlier. It's all based on emotion, self, experience. This experience is what I've gone through. This is what it made me feel like. It's bad. And because it made me feel bad and I'm uncomfortable with it, if you love me, you've got to agree with me. And, yeah. and that, you know, kind of simplifying all this down. And the basis of the Reformation, as you were saying, 
wasn't trying to deny the sufficiency of Scripture. It wasn't trying to deny Scripture. It was attempting to clarify what was already in Scripture, because the Roman Catholic Church then and today believes that salvation could be earned. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther realized that salvation is the gift that could not be earned, and that was one of the core bases of his 95 Thesis was trying to clarify that salvation is not by works. Yeah. And where Martin Luther and the Reformers were expand, were expositing Scripture and trying to get the Roman Catholic Church to understand this is what the verse says, this is what it actually means, this is what you're doing. That's not what these deconstructionists are trying to do. They're trying to just completely rip out portions of Scripture and say it no longer matters because it's not accepted by the culture. But guess what? Biblical truth has never been accepted by the culture because it is plainly written in God's Word. If you're friends with the world, you're at enemy with Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And, and you know, what you just pointed out, that all these churches that are trying to find ways to accommodate, you know, trying to be third way, trying to be affirming or whatever. This is why I thought the article was important. That's why we're doing the episode tonight. It, one of the, I, I, I saw a lot of responses to the article. And again, I'm really surprised. I, I didn't expect it to get um, too many legs because our website isn't something that's in a lot of people's new, uh, you know, bookmarks or news feeds. It, it doesn't get a ton of, of uh, traffic, and that's fine. It's, it's not there to be a popular site. It's there to be, you know, hopefully for our listeners, a place to, <clears throat> excuse me, go to, you know, if you're looking for more in it, or you're looking for other episodes, it's where you can find it. And so we're putting articles on there in hopes to give you more to, to work with. So, but we saw a lot of responses. And one of the things I thought was really interesting was one individual was saying how he is seeing this very kind of mindset and behavior in so many professing Christians that he was respond that, that that were responding in much the same way. So maybe you don't hear the word deconstruction. Maybe you don't hear the comparison to being a reformer, but you are hearing the church has to change. You're hearing we have to be more accepting, we have to be more loving. Why? Well, because these individuals, they've been so hurt for so long. Well, that's deconstruction. And another comment that I saw that I thought was just really profound, he's like, I've never seen anybody who affirms this kind of thinking, this deconstructionist mindset, ever come out with a higher view of Scripture. They're always going to have a low view of Scripture. If you try to go to the Word of God, they're going to talk to you about, well, slave owners use the Word of God. These negative people over here, these bad people, they appeal to the word of God. Hitler, you know, you know, here's a picture of him holding a Bible, right? They're going to always have a low view of God, and they're always going to look to people who misused and abused it to say, see, you can't really use that. Absolutely agree with him. You're never going to find someone who is a deconstructionist who holds God's word in a high view. And so the idea that you can say, we're really just doing what the reformers did, we're always reforming, absolutely, 100% untrue. You're either deluded or you're lying. 
because there's no possible way you can look at what the reformers did who they who those men who spent hours and days and years pouring over the scriptures to teach people this is what God has truly said this is how we are to live this is how we come to Christ this is how we these are the sins of which we must repent you cannot tell me that when you say, oh, well, if you say anything uh, unkind about LGBT, I'm going to block you, that you're being a reformer. You can't tell me that because it is the, that very word of God that tells us that all sexual sin is condemnable to hell. And by the way, Rich, you mentioned this earlier, if you're watching porn, you're sinning. If you're in a sexual relationship with a woman who's not your wife, or ladies with a man who's not your husband, you're sinning. If you're fantasizing about it, you're sinning. All of this condemns us to hell. Christ himself said, hey, guys, if you look at a woman with lust... You have committed adultery with her, and this woman is not your wife. You're committing adultery with her in your heart. Sin is a heart issue, and the Word of God is the only thing that can combat it. They are not reformers. They are absolutely speaking with the tongue of Satan. And I know that's going to sound harsh to somebody, but I like what Virgil said. Satan was the first deconstructionist. You, know, you go back to Genesis. You go back to where the serpent said, has God really said? That's all Derek Webb is doing. That is all any other Christian, so-called Christian deconstructionist is doing. Has God really said? Yes, he has. We have it in the word of God. And if you reject that, then don't you dare call yourself a reformer. Don't call yourself or compare yourself to them and say you're practicing what they practice. You're not. You're just finding the things about Christianity you never liked to begin with and you're revealing you never were a Christian. First John has words for you. They they went out from us to show that they never were of us. Okay? Derek Webb is revealing the more he speaks and this is this is heartbreaking. This is not to trash Derek Webb, but it is heartbreaking because he's revealing he's never believed in Christ to begin with. He's never called upon him as Lord and Savior. He's never repented of his sins and put his full faith and trust in the work of Christ alone. And now he sits there with all of these accolades of having created all this music for that Christians have sung for years. And he sits up there with his nose up in the air looking down on them and saying, you need to change. How dare you believe the word of God? How dare you tell people to repent of their sins? How dare you? And yet, he himself stands before God and every idle word that has leapt from his mouth or the fingers on the keyboard will be played back as he is judged for his sins unless he turns and repents and trusts in Christ. 
the Christian church is not a social program. The Christian church is made up of believers who have bowed the knee to Christ as Lord. And don't give me this Jesus is my homeboy nonsense. I don't want to hear it. Christ is not your friend until he is first your Lord. You bow the knee in repentance and faith, recognizing you deserve God's righteous wrath for your sin. And you turn to him, the only one who can redeem you because he paid the price himself by dying on the cross, taking the wrath of God in your place, dying, being lowered into the grave, and on the third day, rising again in fulfillment of the scriptures, defeating sin and death. You turn to that, and you trust in that. And guess what? You are given the most precious gift imaginable. Your sins are forgiven, and, and, you are made righteous in the eyes of God because you are clothed in Christ's righteousness. He took your sin. He gives you his righteousness. That is sola fide. That is what we discover through sola scriptura. That is what we are indebted to the reformers for. It is arrogance of the highest level to put oneself on the same plane as the men who fought against false teaching, recognizing it would cost them their lives, in some cases did, because they wanted to preach this precious truth, risked everything against one of the most powerful entities in the world at the time, the Roman Catholic Church, risked everything so they could tell the world you're going to hell come to Christ and live what on earth is Derek Webb or any other deconstructionist risking that equates to nothing they risk nothing oh the Christians won't like us so much That's it. That's all you're risking. Don't tell me you're practicing Semper Reformanda. Not even close. You've embraced paganism and you've stolen the language of the church to disguise it. Folks, it's important to recognize when you see people speaking this way, they are facing a God who will judge them one day. This is not kids' games. This isn't about who ends up with the most Legos at the end of the day. This is We're talking about souls. We are talking about people's eternal lives. You're going to be in one place or the other. And you're going to be there for eternity. Do you want to risk... The lives of your loved ones. Pastors, do you want to risk the, li the lives, the souls of the people in your church so you can sound nicer to the world? 
if this is you, if you are headed this direction, stop. Stop. Drop to your knees in repentance now. Stop listening to this program. Hit your knees and pray in repentance now for forgiveness. Because you have rejected the word of God. If you know people go in this direction, pray for them. Pray for them. And be have enough love for them to tell them the truth. We don't have to be jerks doing it, but boy, we got to be telling people the truth. We dare not play with God's word this way. We dare not. It's just too important. This is a choice. As Rich said earlier, you're either going to have a fear of man and you want the world to like you and so you're going to try to change the church to, to accommodate them or you're going to have a fear of God and you're going to look to his word as the reformers did and you're going to be ever reforming according to the word. That's how important this is. So hopefully, hopefully this helps. Hopefully this gives you something as you go forward that you know what you're encountering now when you hear this language. Rich, any thoughts? Well, we need to remember the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's impossible to do when you're not only condoning sin, but you're trying to make excuses for not only your sin, but the sin in other people's lives. Because people tend to forget that when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we will not only be judged according to our actions, we will be judged according to our words, Amen. according to our thought life, according to that which we knew was right, but went, went opposite and did the wrong thing anyway. And that's something that people forget, that God knows your thought life. He's with you every moment of every day. He knows your heart. He knows whether you are truly his or not. And I've heard this explained and said many times, and I think it's worth a reminder. It doesn't matter if we claim to know Christ. What matters is whether Christ knows us and how he knows us. Does he, knows us, does he know us as a saved one, as one of his, or does he know, know us as a son of Satan? Because it's either one or two things. You're either a son of your father, Satan, or you're a son of God, saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's one or the other. It's either light or darkness. And the Bible makes that clear over and over and over again. And people forget this. Professing Christians forget this. We are not... We cannot earn our salvation. We do nothing to earn to keep our salvation. But once we're saved, we are transformed into the image of Christ, giving over to, giving over to that image more and more each day. That is part of progressive sanctification. We will not live a sinless life on earth, but in our hearts, in our essence, in our very being, 
we desire to sin less and less. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, well, you're saved, so it's okay if you sin just as long as you, you know, can find excuses for it or, or reasons around it. And I've seen so many times people trying to address what was in the book of Corinthians about carnal Christians. I would like to remind people, Paul was not making excuses for people living carnal lives for professing Christians to live like the world. He was, that was a, he was condemning them. He was calling them out. He was saying, you have professed to be Christian. You should be living like a Christian. You should not be living and looking like the world. And I know that's a complete oversimplification, but just for the context right now, and we're out of time, I just wanted to point that out. It doesn't matter if you profess to be a Christian. It doesn't matter if you claim to believe and follow Christ. What matters is, has your life been transformed into the image of Christ? Because you need to go back and remember in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, when Christ says, On that day you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Meaning, I never had a relationship with you. You were never one of my own. You were never one of my sheep. Depart from me. And when he said, Depart from me, guess where that meant? What that meant? That meant you depart from his grace, you depart from his presence forever, and you will spend an eternity in hell being purified by hell itself. A place created and reserved for Satan and his demons. Amen. But in closing, I would like to say, whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day. Not the modern man-made gospel of easy believism and just say repent and believe and change your mind but know the actual biblical way of salvation which means surrender all aspects of your life to christ and call out to him and beg him to grant you the gift of salvation amen 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 folks thank you for always being willing to spend so much time with us Uh, we hope this has been helpful um, it's just one of those moments where I, when we see these things come up, they just seem like such teachable moments. Um, we don't necessarily want to go chasing after whatever the big topic of the day is for the sake of doing that. It just seems like so often these, these things that are happening help us understand what's going on in the world around us and ha- what the Christian church faces. And, and you're, you're seeing this maybe within your own pews, maybe with family members or friends who are professing Christians. And you're going, I don't understand how this is happening. How can you possibly say those things? This is how you're seeing it. It is, it has become endemic to how things are happening in the world around us. And and when you hear them speak it, you begin to realize even if a person isn't a professing deconstructionist, they've been inculcated with it. They've they've become enmeshed in this system of thinking 
because it's become part of our cultural language. And the church is being infected by it. The professing church has been infected by it. And we've been infected by it because, as we said earlier, pragmatism laid the foundation. Pragmatism said, by any means necessary, get them in the seats. And then we just labeled, we took anything with the label Christian and we said, God accept it. And then along came people, as Rich pointed out, the emergent movement that said, oh, we're just asking questions. They never provided any answers, but they sure did tear apart the Christian faith. At least they tried. What they did enmeshed itself into the church. And you have people today, like Derek Webb and others, who reject Sola Scriptura. They accept the infallibility of their own minds because they believe they can destroy what God's Word has ordained. And they can say, oh, it's just a social construct. It doesn't matter. Absolutely matters. So hopefully this has equipped you. Hopefully this helps you. And uh, as you go forward, as my brother Rich said, you know, as you go forward this week, please be proclaiming the gospel. Found some, find some way to do it. Share it online. Leave a gospel track. Talk to a person or a friend. Make a, you know, make a YouTube video. Whatever you got to do. TikTok. I don't go near TikTok. <laughs> but whatever you do, find a way to do it. And realize what you will see in response is a world at war with God. And you're going to see these very things being said. And now you know what you're dealing with, at least to an extent. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that's helped you in some way. Thank you for being with us this week. Thank you for your time as always. If you find this program useful and helpful, please consider sharing it with others. Um, again, not worried about numbers. We're not trying to drive numbers up in any way. We just want to try to be a help. Really encourage you, please go read the article. I, I try to do a better job, I think, in that article um, articulating the argument. Uh, if you think that's helpful, consider sharing it so that other Christians can think about it. Maybe maybe a person won't listen to a podcast, but they'll read this. Or if they won't if they don't read articles, maybe they'll listen to the podcast. Maybe this will help some way. And again, if you go to slavesoftheking.com, you will see we're putting more stuff out. So really encourage you because, hey, Elon apparently just said he's, he's not going to buy Twitter. So I anticipate all of us are getting kicked off before the year's out. So <laughs> get yourself signed up uh, for the emails for slavetothekingcom so that you get new content information when it comes out. And if you want to help the program, there are ways to do that on the website as well. So again, we thank you. We are grateful for you. God bless you. May you have a wonderful week, and whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God. Good night. God bless. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.